Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Philippians 1, 2 Corinthians 11. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask that today you would show yourself strong. Lord, I pray that there are people here this morning who need to hear from you, who need to know that the story that you have been writing with their life is important, is valuable, and needs to be heard. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here we are in week number two of I Am Second, and there are four things, if you want to get the most out of this series, that you must do. Four things. Number one, be here every week. You are going to hear powerful stories about people who encountered God and their life was changed, but more importantly, you're going to hear how that their encounter with God impacted other people. Number two, join or start a life group. I'll share more on that. Number three, identify your story. See, here's the reality. You all have been telling yourselves a story. How that you're not good enough. How that you don't measure up. How that God can't use you. But you need to identify the story that God is writing with your life. Because he's never said that, and he never will. And the fourth thing is share your story. I am second when God's story meets your story. I hope you enjoyed Chris Pleckenpole last week and how that he shared multiple stories, encounters with soldiers, encounters with the enemy, and an encounter with God sitting in a chair that was empty. I hope that you got involved in a life group this week. If you look in um, the hot sheet package, there is a list of life groups. I would encourage you, find one, get plugged in, and if there's not one that works for you, start one. It is so simple. And the amazing thing about a group is if you have two people, it's a couple. If you have three people, it's a group. That's all you need is three people, and you're ready to go. This week, my life has been full of stories. On Monday, I got to hear the story about Brian Welch. On Tuesday, I got to hear the story about Chip and Joanna Gaines. On Wednesday, I got to hear the story about Kathy Lee Gifford. Where's my Plaza Verde group? I see some here this morning. Uh, on Wednesday, we met over at Plaza Verde, and 13 of us, that's a group. Great time. On Thursday, I got to hear Dr. Ron Archer's story. Powerful. On Friday, we got to write a story. We went to the pumpkin patch at the Telefsons, and it was a beautiful day. The rain was pouring. 
But the pumpkins had to get cut and picked up. And so there we were sloshing around in the mud, making memories. It was funny, we're sitting there in the garage all dry looking at each other. And Josh says, you know what, everybody's going to remember this year. Because we were talking about the last year. Was it windy or what was the weather like? I remember picking and it's hot. I remember, well, we all remember what this past Friday was like. We were soaked to the bone. But the pumpkins got picked. On Saturday, I got a double dose of Dr. Ron Archer. Got to hear him speak last night at the Rise Up event. Hear his story again. This week, I got to hear the story of somebody who rededicated their life and the fire that God had stirred in their heart allowed them to reach out and touch people. I heard the words come from her mouth that says, I don't know anybody, and then continued to talk about how that God brought people across her path to witness to. I heard from another who it was their first time being in a Bible study. I heard from a bunch of couples who, whoo, how did God get them together? Some, why, no, uh, but it was amazing how that everybody had a different journey, a different story, but we all hit the same crossroad of encountering God. And then Wednesday, Plaza Verde. Oh, my goodness. If, if you could have heard the stories, the stories of brokenness, the stories of loneliness, the stories of being abandoned, And yet God was in each one of those stories. Today, I want to share with you the power of story. You see, um, the, the thing about stories are they give us an emotional connection. When I get up here to preach, I want to touch one of your emotions. I, I may make you angry. I may get you to laugh. I may get you to cry. Matter of fact, the perfect sermon is if I can get you to laugh and cry in the same message, I've nailed it. Because you're going to walk out with something. Why? Because you have an emotional connection you're latched onto, and then the Holy Spirit speaking at the same time, and that stays with you the rest of the week. And I'm here to share with you that every one of us have a story. Few people realize it. Most people say that their story is too weak. It's too normal. Or you think that you have a past that somehow disqualifies you from having a story. But I'm here to share with you that God wants to use each and every one of you. No matter what your background, no matter what your past, God has a plan to make your story a testament to His goodness. The question is not, whether you have a story, the question is, will you tell your story? Ron Archer, he shared with us that he did not share his story until he was 50 years old. He was embarrassed about his story. And it was somebody coming into his life, speaking courage to him and challenging him that somebody needed to hear it. He shared his story and today over 9 million people have heard it. 
Today, more than 1.5 million have called on the name of Jesus because Dr. Ron Archer shared his story. Will we take a chance that some people will not believe us? Will we take a chance that some people aren't going to accept us after they hear our story? Because the reality is not everyone will identify. Not everyone will understand. Will we take the chance and believe that God has somebody who needs to hear our story? Ethan did. The Apostle Paul did. If you would turn again to Philippians 1, open up your Bibles there. Today I'm going to share with you three questions in one statement. If you have the note taker there in the hot sheet package, you'll see those three questions in one statement. In the month of October, I've challenged myself to read the book of Philippians every day. And so as I am reading through in the first chapter, there's three verses that, that just jump out and get me. Because 10 years ago, in O'Fallon, Illinois, sitting in the YMCA parking lot at 5.30 in the morning, I was reading Philippians 1. And these verses came alive. I had just been introduced to the concept of I Am Second. I had just started groups with I am second, I was seeing God work and the verses that Paul shared came alive in me. I started to understand it and today I want to share that with you. If you would find verse 12, Philippians 1.12 reads this way, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So the obvious question is, what has happened to Paul? I gave you two references, Philippians 1, don't close that, but go over to 2 Corinthians 11, and I'm going to briefly go through what Paul shared happened to him. Starting in verse 23, he says that he wrote these words, I have worked much harder. He was unashamed and calling it out. There are many people who think they work hard, but yet the proof is not in the pudding. Paul had the proof. He had the pudding. He had the cake. He had the steak. He says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. And I think that could just go over and over and over. In verse 25, he says, Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. The significance of that is when somebody was given 40 lashes, it was designed to kill them. But if they did 40 lashes minus 1, 39, 39, they should still be alive. And Paul says that happened to him five times. My background in the military is that I worked in the medical field. I worked in the radiology and in nuclear medicine. And there's this concept called LD5030. And what that means is a lethal dose that 50% of the population will die within 30 days. 
Now, when I first was in uh, radiology and I'm going through school, I thought, okay, 100 people get exposed to this radiation, 50 of them die. That means 50 get to live. The problem is that those 50 that didn't die probably wished that they did. The same thing was happening with Paul when he received 39 lashes. Somewhere along that way, I'm sure that he wished that God would call him home. But it didn't stop there. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger on rivers. I've been in danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, dangers from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers. I don't know about you, but Paul was not the guy you probably wanted to be hanging out with if you wanted a comfortable life. Verse 27, I've labored and I've toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And church, I'm here to share with you that probably the heaviest burden that I carry throughout the week is knowing what you're going through, knowing what your life is like, Knowing the challenges. But while that is heavy on one side, on the other, I have hope that God is writing his story through you. And so I ask you the question what has happened to you? Many of you have faced abuse. It might have been sexual abuse. It might have been physical abuse. It might have been verbal or mental abuse. Many of you have been abandoned by those you love. Many of those, you have reached a point in your life where you have been broken. You've reached a point in your life where you have been betrayed. You've been betrayed by somebody at work. You've been betrayed by somebody who lives with you. You've been betrayed by somebody who is a blood relative. Many of you have been cheated on. You've been cheated on by your spouse. You've been cheated on by a coworker that took credit that should have gone to you or gave you credit when something failed that was theirs. Many of you have faced cancer, and many of you have seen loved ones die because of COVID. This room is full of those who have experienced the deep pain of divorce. And this room is filled with those who have experienced death by someone they love. This week, I've been exposed to three different deaths of somebody who's close. If you go through your hot sheet, you'll see on November 16th that we have an event called Surviving the Holidays. It is designed for those who are about to face Thanksgiving and Christmas, and they have the loss of a loved one. I hope that if that's not you, and you know somebody that it is, that you would share this with them. 
And what we can learn here, no matter what the case is that, that you've been impacted by, is that God can use what is bad. Now hear me, bad is always bad. Paul never says that any of the wrong done to him was right. He doesn't even say that it was good. He never claims that any of his many beatings and his imprisonments, his shipwreck, he didn't claim that they were anything but bad. Matter of fact, he's trying to tell them, I don't think anyone reading this has ever experienced the bad that I've experienced. But what Paul did was he focused on how God took what was bad and make no mistake, it was bad and brought something good out of it. What was the good? Paul says that it advanced the gospel. And I know that God can take the bad that has happened to you and make good out of it. If we don't mess it up. Because when bad happens to us, we have two choices. We can either get bitter or we can find and rely and have faith in God and walk through that storm and come out better. A better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better son, a better daughter, a better mother, a better grandparent. Or we can be bitter. And they won't see Jesus in our life. Go on to the next verse in Philippians in verse 13. And it reads, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment was for Christ. Not only does Paul know that what happened to him, the bad, was going to be used to further the gospel, but more people knew. Who? Everyone knows. The imperial guard knows. If you are a fan of Gladiator, think about the Praetorian Guards. Those were the men that Paul was chained to. Was he chained to him for his safety? Was he chained to him to shut him up? I don't know. But he was chained to them and he used them as a tool of the ministry. So that all the rest heard. Who's all the rest? The emperor that they protect. Who's all the rest? The political leaders. Who's all the rest? The family members. Everybody heard that the reason why Paul was in chains, Paul was in prison, was so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would reach the globe. Second question. Who needs to hear your story? You see, your story is not about you. Look, you've already checked that box. You got the t-shirt. Your story has nothing to do with the person in the mirror. Your story is about who needs to hear it. And it's about Christ. And so I ask you, has your story ever met God's story? And if it hasn't, I hope today that that encounter happens and that life change and transformation is experienced by you.
continuing to read in Philippians 1 and verse 14. And here's what Paul said. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word. You see, Paul's greatest impact came through his confinement. It came through the chains. It came from being stopped from being able to do anything. And because of what happened to Paul, the brothers heard. The brothers were empowered. The brothers were much more bold to speak the word. And it's not on the slide, but it says, without fear. If God can use Paul's story in chains to impact all of the brothers that heard his story and today, 10 years ago, impacted this guy and today is stirring your heart, I'll take you to the third question. What could happen if someone heard your story? This has been a great week for me. I've heard it. I've seen it. I've seen a grandmother reach out to her grandchildren because of story. I saw a mom get engaged with her daughter because of story. I saw a wife reach out to her husband because of story. I saw somebody who loved Christ reach out to strangers because of their story. You see, story is just a code word for testimonies. And this week I've heard the testimonies. I've heard the testimonies of overcoming abuse. I've heard the testimonies of going beyond being abandoned. I've heard the testimonies of someone who was broken and God used them. And today they are whole, they are healed. I've heard the story of those who've been betrayed. And yet they didn't lose their faith. I heard the story about those who were cheated on and yet remained faithful. I heard the story about those who have faced cancer not once, not twice, but three times, and yet their faith is still in God Almighty. I've heard the story of those who have encountered divorce. Ladies and gentlemen, divorce is not easy. Divorce is not just going to the courthouse and filing papers. Dear Abby said it best in one of her articles. He says these words, for me to live is Christ. What was he saying? For me to live through the five times receiving 39 lashes is Christ. For me to get lost in the sea for a day and a half is Christ. For me to be beaten, for me to be stoned, for me to be ridiculed, for me to be mocked, for me to be chained to these guards is Christ. Oh, it's easy to say for me to live as Christ when the job is great. 
when the bank account is full. When everybody is there for Christmas. It's easy to say to, to live as Christ. But the reality is, no matter what it looks like, no matter what your circumstance is, can you say, like Paul, for me to live is Christ? Paul's focus was not on himself and not on his struggles. Before anything else, Paul wanted the church at Philippians to, to know that the gospel was spreading because of his imprisonment. Yeah, I hear this all the time where somebody says, I'd die for you, I'd die for my kids, I'd die for fill in the blank. So apparently dying for something is easy. But living for something is hard. I'd die, but yet I won't walk across the street. I'd die, but yet I'm not going to, you fill in the blank. And I just want to tell you the truth, folks. You wouldn't die. You'd find an excuse. You'd find a way out. Can we say like Paul, for me to live is Christ. Oh, we get it, but to die is gain. I've been there. Take me home. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But the reality is you woke up this morning, you've got a pulse, you've got a breath. Yes, it hurts. Yes, there's aches and pains. Yes, there's scars. And you know what? You're going to take those scars with you the rest of your life. But one day, you're going to find out that God has instilled into the DNA of every human being the will to live. Ethan asked that question, who doesn't want to live? Wise words coming from a 13-year-old with a terminal diagnosis. I learned this on my mother's deathbed, that God has instilled in each of us the desire to live. The only way that we could communicate with her was she could hear us and she could respond sometimes with a squeeze of the hand. And I remember because her body had started shutting down, the organs one by one, every six hours we would find out other bad news. And so I'm, I'm sitting there beside her bed, I'm holding her hand, and I'm saying, Mom, are you ready to go to heaven? And she squeezes I asked, Mom, are you ready to let go? She couldn't. And I'd ask again, Mom, are you ready to be and spend eternity with Jesus? She squeezed. I said, Mom, are you ready to let go? She couldn't. Why? Because God had written into the DNA of her life the desire to live. And God has put that same DNA in every one of us here. He tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that he has put eternity into the heart of man. There's a beautiful scene 
There was probably 15 in the room holding hands, singing and praising as my mom took her last breaths. And if you've been there with somebody, it's not easy. It's not fun. It's not pretty. They gasp. And the gasps get further and further apart until they are not. And then the heart flat lines. The reality is that everybody has been given a terminal diagnosis, not just Ethan, not just my mom. Every one of us, one day, will take our last breath. And, and see, here's the problem. All you have is the 20, the 40, the 60, the 80 years to reference. And this is where God's word makes sense when he says, it has not even entered into the heart of man to understand what is coming. But make no mistake about it, what you do here on earth, the actions we take, the words we speak, will be with you for all eternity. So the question isn't, will they be with you? It's where will they be? What God did through the Apostle Paul, what God did through young Ethan Hallmark, God can do through the lives of those that are surrendered to him. You see, that's what Paul says when he says, for me to live is Christ. I've surrendered. I've given up my rights. I've given up my freedom. I've given up my expectations. And every day, every moment, what I want to focus on is the gospel. And I want to make sure that all of these guards, even the ones that beat me, know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that the emperor, emperor knows. I want to make sure that their family's here. So I ask you a final question, and that is, have you surrendered your life to God? Have you surrendered your story to God yet? There is a tool that we are using. You can see it on each of the outside banners, and it's called My Second Story Challenge. It's simple. You just answer a couple of questions. Turn on a video and start recording. My life was like this when I was blank and blank. And then I decided to follow Jesus and he showed me blank. And now that Jesus has changed me, I am blank and blank. You see, here's the problem. You will favorite recipe. You will post your political opinions. You will post a self-help meme. You will post about your football team's victory, but yet you won't post about the encounter that you had with the living Christ. You won't post about the fact that one day every one of us will stand before God. Worship team, if you'll come up. We're going to close with a song called Gracefully Broken.
When I hear these words, I think of the story in Luke chapter 7, where Jesus is standing on the ground and he has been talking to the Pharisees and the, the publicans and the sinners. And it tells us that a young lady came in and then identified this young lady. It says she was a sinner. Now it's interesting, the Bible doesn't say what her sin was, but I'll bet you almost every one of you just thought about what it was. I think the Bible left out the sin because every one of us are sinners. And she came in and it said that, that she fell at Jesus' feet and she started to weep tears and the, the tears filled his feet, got them wet and she took her hair and dried it. And she had with her this alabaster box of perfume. It was saved for somebody who would die in the family. And she broke that box. And she took that and she poured that on his feet. And she rubbed that and cleaned his feet. The song we're going to close with is called Gracefully Broken. I have no doubt that everyone in here has reached that point where you have hit rock bottom. The question I have is, have you done it gracefully? Maybe some of you are in the throes of it right now. You're still on your way down. And my question is, will you do it gracefully? Will you allow God, the author of this universe, to take your story and to write his story through it? Or will you complain? Will you cry? Will you whine? Will you ask God, why me? You heard Ethan's father. Couldn't you have used us some other way? And the God who loves you unconditionally, if he sat across from you, he put his hands on your shoulders. And he said, Ronnie, this is the story I need you to live. That's what gracefully broken looks like. I've been broken in my life many times. And not always was it graceful. I was angry. I attacked. And I created another story. But it's not until that we're willing to surrender our story. God, even if I don't get the job, even if my whole family walks away from me, even if I never see on this side of eternity victory, I'm going to trust you. You would stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one is, how many in here, by raising their hand, can say that I want God to use my story? 
Keep them up. In the next six weeks, more people across Centralia and across the United States can hear about Jesus Christ because of the hands that are raised right now. Let me pray for you. God in heaven, I ask that you see the hands, you see the hearts. And God, will you use our stories? God, will you give us courage? Will you give us boldness to share it with those that we encounter, with the person in Walmart, with those that we live with, with those that we haven't talked to in a long time? God, would you give us the courage not to tell us what's wrong with them, but God, to tell them what's right with you and how that you are the center of our lives? God, will you help everybody here with their hand raised to make their story about the furtherance of Christ? Amen. I got a second question for you. Second question is this. Who in here, by raising their hand, can say this? Today, I want my story to intersect with God's story. Today, I am tired of walking a life that has been in my own flesh and my own desires, today I want to re start rewriting my story in such a way that God can get the glory. Amen. Revelation 12, 11 says this, and they have conquered him. It's talking about Satan. See, that's your enemy. That's the reason for cancer in the world. That's the reason for death. That's the reason for divorce. And it says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. See, that's all Jesus. Jesus did it all. But listen, he doesn't stop there. Here's what else he says. And by the word of their testimony. It's their story. Your story. God put the story in your life so that you... Not, not that life would get better, not that you would survive, but so that you could further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know when you're broken, when you're hurt, when you've been abandoned, that that's the last thing you're thinking about. But ladies and gentlemen, that's what to live is Christ means. And when you live for Christ, when you take your story and you surrender it to God... That's when you can say, and to die is gain. Because many of us, we just want away from the pressure. We want away from the pain. And we do it in our own way. And when we do it in our own way, God doesn't get the glory. So today, as we sing, I hope, I pray that you're willing identify your story and share it let me pray with you before we God I ask that you start today in the lives of those who are committed to living for you proclaiming your name God you have blessed us to be a blessing you have brought us through the tough times so that we can minister to other people. You've said this in your word. God, I pray that you would use all of those here. And Lord, if there is anybody 
who has yet to call upon the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that God, that your Holy Spirit convict them now. And even now, they cry out. We ask this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.